0: So I love connecting with you guys, my listeners. And so I decided this week I was craving some question answer time and I wanted to hear what was on y'all's hearts and uh, to see if I could speak to those topics. And um, I had a couple of questions thrown at me that (laughs) were heavy hitters and I have spent all day studying um, because I'm definitely going to work hard to bring you some solid responses. So today's episode is that you asked and I am bringing my response so stay tuned and let's listen to today's episode to catch up on some of your top questions hi you're listening to java with jen with your host Lee samuel So, in today's episode, you're going to hear me address two questions. Originally, I was going to record and do three, but the episode got so long, I cut one that was kind of a previous question that had been sent a while back. And so I, um, I, reduced to the two questions that actually came in over social media this week. I wanted to make those a priority. Um, Also, don't forget to listen to Life Hacks at the end. I share a little simple tip. Seriously, it takes seconds a day, does not take long, maybe a minute full, and it has the ability to help with your metabolism, your fat burn helps regulate blood sugar, helps with digestion, clears up acne. Um, It does all the great things, helps boost your energy. It's so simple, so cheap, and so good for you. So that's in Life Hacks. Okay, so we're gonna dive into these two questions, and they are, Guys, this is one of my favorite episodes so far. Y'all ask the best questions. So next time, anytime I put polls out on Instagram, please let me hear your thoughts because I love to pull you into the show. So thanks so much for your questions. All right, let's jump in. What to do about my family that is judgy. Now, this person, I asked her for some backstory. And um, she was explaining to me that she grew up in a Christian home and or like a a specific denomination which I won't mention but um her family always went to church and she as a as an adult has grown up and decided not to go to church and so her family has made some judgmental comments and some snarky comments and you know even drawn lines and refused to have fellowship with her and stuff like that um which I just I just want to say I don't know their hearts and I don't know their reason for doing that from the outside looking in, that doesn't look like the kind of decision that Jesus would make. But I also don't know the whole story. So I, I'm not going to take sides. But what I can say to my friend who is experiencing that judgment is um, that judgment sucks. Like when we feel like we're being judged, it does. It, it hurts. It sucks. It's uncomfortable. Um, but I also, and, and I feel like we live in a culture that is like, you can't judge me, and da 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 and you're right, like, ugly, divisive, condescending, rude, mean-spirited judgment, like, I don't think there's any place for that, and I don't feel like Jesus ever demonstrated that. Jesus spoke the truth, but he did it on a foundation of love that drew people near, so even his truth that might have even been correctional or confronted sin in their life didn't feel like ugly judgment. You know what I'm saying because it was rooted in love and his love still came through because it was coming out of a heart of compassion, not a heart of of finger pointing. You know what I'm saying? And so to my friend, this is what I would say. Now, I'm I'm not going to just speak to your one situation. I'm actually going to speak to anybody who maybe would be experiencing family that's judging. Um and I've and I've experienced, you know, my own situations with judgment. And what I have come to learn is I cannot control what people say, think, or believe about me. It is very frustrating when people believe poorly about me. And I I know myself and I feel like what they're believing is not consistent with what's in my heart. You know what I mean? So that is absolutely frustrating. And I think that's part of what makes judgment feel so wrong. Is that we're being unrighteously judged. The Bible is clear that he says, don't judge each other. Like you're going to be judged to the same measure that you judge others. And so when I am being judged, I then have to guard my heart from not judging them back for being judgmental. (laughs) It's like this whole like (laughs) triangle, you know? And so I have to, what I have to do in my heart is I have to kind of just release them from that and say, you know what? that's where they're at. That's, that's just what they have to offer me. That's just where they're at. Their judgment is more a reflection of their heart than it is of me. Because scripture also says that Jesus, it's the kindness of Jesus that draws men to repentance. And so there is a place for saying this is right and this is wrong. There is a place for coming alongside somebody and saying, because I love you, I care about the decisions you're making, and I don't know that this is this is in step with with what's good for you, but when that person is an adult, you know, and that person even maybe hasn't asked for my input, then I have to respect the fact that it's their life, and it's their decision, and I, I have to respect it. I may not agree with it, but... I mean, who in the world ever promised me that I would agree with everyone's decisions? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you have a right as an adult to make the decisions that are right for you. Now, I would say if you're a believer, I mean, I think the point of church, which I, I see a few dynamics. When when people grow up in church and walk away from church, um, there are some things that can be at work. I which I've seen lots of different scenarios, and of course everyone's is unique, but there are some common denominators. One, a lot of times when people step away from church, it's because it was a religious, ritualistic experience that never actually touched their heart, never actually changed their life, and so it never connected for them as something that needed to be a part of their life because it just never touched them in the core of who they are and usually those people are craving a personal experience with God like an actual God who's actually alive and is actually going to be personal and in your face and in your business in the best way you know usually those people are craving something that's less religious and more relational which is exactly what Jesus is after he wants your heart he doesn't just want your behaviors or he doesn't just want let me rephrase that He doesn't just want religious exercises from you. He wants your heart. In fact, that's what pissed Jesus off, forgive the phrase, about the Pharisees in the Bible is they were were religious experts. They went to church all the time. They did all the fasting. They followed all the laws. They did all the stuff. But their hearts were so callous because they were consumed with their own sense of self-righteousness that they never even connected with God himself when he was right in front of them. And so God is not after religiosity. God is after people who are going to love Him for who He is and love Him with all of their heart. And from that place, church is meant to be an environment that nurtures your growth and nurtures your relationship with God and brings a sense of community and strength and protection to your life. When we flooded with Harvey... It was our church family that came around us if not for our church family so many of our needs would gone would have gone unmet it was people in our church and people who were believers in the larger christian church even outside of our area that came and served us and blessed us and provided for us and and took care of us when we were in need like the church functioned like the church in that time and the church is not meant to be just this place where you go and do religious rituals and exercises. It is meant to be a place where we go and we encounter God, we encounter brothers and sisters, and we're encouraged in our faith to continue in our journey with the Lord. I'm a part of a prayer group on Tuesday mornings and we pray for the nation and we pray for, for our leaders and we pray for all of it. And, um, And every single Tuesday when I'm up there and I listen to them share their hearts about what God has been speaking to them that week and and the way God is challenging them to love him more and to be more like Jesus, I think to myself all the time, I'm like, I need these people in my life. I need them because maybe I had a week where I was just a little bit I don't know, lacking fervor with the Lord. I was just kind of caught up in my busyness and not really seeking the Lord as much and and, and I get in there with them and their hunger and their fervor for the Lord immediately convicts me and reminds me of how good God is and how much I want Him, you know? And so I'm like, I need these people in my life. They help me. They help me follow the Lord in, in the way I want to follow Him, you know? And so that's what church is about. I mean, we meet in someone's home. It's not even in a church building. I know them through the church, but we're just friends, you know? And back in the day, there have been times in society where people don't, they don't have church buildings, they have homes. The point of church is not religious exercise. The point of church is it's God's family. It's like when we take the time, you know how things can get busy during the school year and kids are going to sports and there's homework and there's work and there's late work meetings and da, 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 and it can just easily become kind of this um roller coaster of activity. And if we're not intentional to stop the activity and do something fun as a family, pull the kids together, and really connect on purpose, then it can be easy to really start to feel very disconnected and and a little bit alone in your own personal journey, right? Even with your own family. And so that's what church is. It's our brothers and sisters coming together, and we're spending time together, and we're worshiping the Lord together. It's a family reunion every week, and it's meant... To be the place where we draw encouragement, where we draw, um, where our hearts are challenged, and where where even where sin is convicted in our heart, but in an environment where we know we have people for us, you know what I mean. Um, so that's that's what I would say as far as like what church is for, um, but as far as how to respond to those family members, practically speaking, I would recommend. And I don't know the family, of course. I don't know the dynamics there. I don't know how possible this is. But I have found a lot of people don't do this because they just don't realize that straightforward and honest is still something people can do. <laughs> and and I um, I just do better at straightforward and honest. And why don't you consider having a conversation with that person who you felt really judged by and where you just share your honest feelings, you know, and say, hey, you know what, can we talk, can we talk about something? I just need to share my heart with you for a minute. Can, can you just hear me? And um, I just need to be heard and I just, I just want to share my feelings about something. And share how their actions made you feel. And, you know, let them know, like, you know, I love God. And, and you may not understand the way that I do this or what this looks like or whatever, but as, as adults can you respect that this is what I've chosen for my life and, and let God and the Holy Spirit do their job that if I'm doing something wrong, that they can lead me in wisdom, you know? And, and, and just see if that conversation can happen, you know? If it cannot happen, um, then you're going to have to just come to a place of peace in your heart in regard to them. And what I do when people are real judgy or being really ugly I am intentional to pray for them, not in a judgmental back kind of way, but in a I really seek to find a place of compassion. Um, I feel like the place of compassion protects my heart from bitterness. And so when people have been ugly to me and I don't really have a way of resolving it, um, I, I really have to release them from me feeling like I've got to fix the situation. I just release them because I can't control them can't control their harder words and I just release them and release them to have to deal with the Lord with their judgment or with their words or or whatever and even as I say this there is a situation that I'm trusting the Lord to intervene on and on my behalf and and there's nothing that it's not going to be good for me to get into it with with the person involved and so I'm just like hands off Lord I trust you just defend me and um and and really realize, like, their behavior is a reflection of the condition of their heart. And if they're coming with judgment and accusation, that's on them, not on you. And so that's what I would say. I hope that's helpful. But making peace in your own heart is going to be the most important thing. And I know it's difficult when it's people you love, people you want to have peace with. It is hard. It is, I'm not going to lie. It is difficult. Um... But it's not going to do you any good to hold on to offense or unforgiveness. It's not going to do you any good to let bitterness grow up in your own heart, because that's just that's just going to defile who you are. You know what I mean? It'll defile your personality. It'll defile um who you are and the way you carry yourself with people and the way you view situations. It'll just it'll cheapen who you are, and we don't we don't want that. And so, um. I would say between you and the Lord, um, I mean, the Bible is clear that God has forgiven us and he's asked us to forgive others the way that he's forgiven us. And so I think that'd be the best place to start is work on nurturing forgiveness in your heart, have healthy boundaries in that relationship where necessary, but don't give up on trying to have that honest conversation with the people who have expressed judgment and see if that See if that relationship is reconcilable. Um, So that's what I would say to that question about how to deal with judgy family members. Okay, so the third question was how powerful is the blood of Jesus? Which is such a great question. It's a big question. So I'm going to try to really simplify it and keep it short. But if you wanted to dig into that a little bit more, really understand like, why is the blood of Jesus even a thing? Why is it a big deal? Um, Hebrews 8 9 and 10 and Colossians 2 are really great um, chapters. I like to put I like to press play on my Bible app and just listen through it because sometimes I I pull out things that I don't pull out when I'm reading um, but Hebrews 8, nine and 10 is great okay so but the blood of Jesus I'm going to make this simple. Okay, so first of all, why does blood even matter? So we all know that like without blood, you cannot live, right? So blood is the lifeline of your body. Leviticus 17.11 says life is the blood, right? Life, oh, sorry, life is in the blood. Your blood does a number of things. It's a purification Um, for your body. It eliminates waste. It keeps your organs functioning. It heals your wounds. It kills infection in your system. Um, Healthy blood is completely essential for a healthy person. And then if your blood gets poisoned um, or anything of that nature, it, it can deteriorate your system very quickly. Scientifically, scientists have discovered that there is literally no substitute for human blood. Now, that kind of rocks my world because nowadays I feel like they're artificially creating everything (laughs) and so for them to even say even still they've not found a way to reproduce human blood then that's that's huge and that's why a donate blood donors matter (laughs) Um, but when your blood gets poisoned from too much bacteria, let's say you have an infection like a cut, it becomes an infection and it just gets worse and worse and worse. If your blood gets poisoned and too much bacteria can get through your system, then your your immune system can get overwhelmed and then what's called sepsis can set in. When sepsis sets in to someone's body, quickly your organs begin to shut down um, because... Blood is like the electricity that keeps everything working and running and healing. And if sepsis sets in, death can occur. Some people don't die from it, but they may lose parts of their body or organs or limbs or whatever. Sepsis is a pretty dangerous situation. And all this to make the point that your blood is the most essential thing about your body, right? Okay, so spiritually speaking, I love how the natural realm is really a shadow of the spiritual realm. Um, We were made in God's image. God is a spirit. We have a body with blood. God has, Jesus has a body with blood. Um, Jesus was born a human. Um, He existed before he was born. For those who don't know, He, he existed in eternity with God. But then he came, born of a virgin, which is Mary. And he was born and lived a perfect, holy life. And then died an innocent death and rose again after three days, and I'm going to get into why all that matters, so spiritually speaking, the natural realm is a shadow or a parallel of the spiritual realm, and so when Adam and Eve sinned, they, okay, they were the first, so a lot of times when you want to see how things were originally intended, or where they went wrong, go back to the first place of mention, so Adam and Eve, actually the first place blood was actually shed was as a sign of, of um, God stepping in to cover our shame, which is when he killed an animal um, to create clothing for Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness. So that's a, like a, what we call type and shadow. It means it's kind of like a hint of what's coming. It's a foreshadowing. Um, and so blood was spilt there. Adam and Eve, of course, when they had their son, then the covenant that was made between them, um, blood comes from that. The first time the intercourse happens, blood comes from that covenant and um and so life comes from that, and so it's also blood is also a sign of covenant, and then we also know that blood has a voice when Cain and Abel um, Adam and Eve's sons, fought, and um, Cain killed Abel, then the Bible says, "Cain, where is your brother? Because his blood cries out to me from the ground, and so blood has a voice now, oh, do I get into the science of it right now? Um, so let me go back to the analogy. So that kind of gives you some illustrations of like blood is so symbolic and it can point to these different things, covenant with God, covenant with people. Um, it has a voice and so it, it speaks and because it's, it's alive, it's living, right? Really everything that's living has a voice And even if it's just the sound waves that have created the atoms that, um, scientifically every piece of matter is actually created on the most fundamental level, by sound waves, which is crazy to me how sound waves can create physical matter. But God did speak the world into existence, and we have a physical world, so it makes sense. Um, And so your blood actually has a voice. Now, I will go into the science of it. Scientifically speaking, they've discovered that if they shine a laser, a red laser beam, on blood cells, it actually causes that blood cell to emit a sound like a sound wave a sound pattern and they have technology that can pick up on those sound waves and they're different depending on what is what is wrong with the cell or if it's a healthy cell and so if you have like some kind of um, like leukemia or some kind of blood disease then the sound of that cell will be different than the sound of a healthy cell which is so crazy and also reiterates the concept that blood has a voice right so we see in the old testament um there's actually probably multiple places in the word where it talks about it, um but that Cain's blood was crying out to God from the earth, guys, I think about all the aborted babies in our nation, and i and and if you've had an abortion, I'm not shaming anybody. Um, I have family members who've had abortions and and it was something that um, was really traumatizing, you know, really traumatizing so there's there's all the grace for the mistakes but but at the same time, it's still it's it still is something that if we have a choice. Um, life is always the better choice. And and I just think about the babies who have been aborted or even, you know, the, just I won't get into all of it. But their lives, their blood has a voice, and it cries out to God, right? Okay, so spiritually speaking, back to the blood. So when Adam and Eve sinned, their sin was kind of like, when sin came into them spiritually, it's kind of like when bacteria gets into our bloodstream and it begins to poison us. And if left untreated, it can become systemic and then become sepsis, which is life-threatening, right? Well, sin is the same way. When sin came into to, um, Adam and Eve through their disobedience in the Garden of Eden, God told them, You can eat of anything in the garden, but don't eat of this tree, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were in ignorant bliss. They had no idea evil could exist because all they knew was good. All they knew was the goodness of God. They were in the garden, so they didn't even know good and bad. They only knew reality to them, which was wonderful, right? And they had no comparison. So when they ate the apple, they suddenly became aware that good and evil exist, and their innocence was robbed from them. And sin came in because of their disobedience to God. When sin came in, it was like a bacteria that moved into their spirit man, moved into their inner parts, and poisoned all of who they are. So then, now they have a sin nature, is what we call that. And on our physical bloodlines, we have, like all of humanity since then, has what's called a sin nature, which means we have a bent to to do what's wrong, to do what's selfish, to, to kind of like life left to itself um, will, will deteriorate. If you're not keeping yourself healthy, if you're not exercising, if you're not eating well, if you're not um, doing detoxes, if you're not doing those things to maintain health, right, your body begins to deteriorate. If you get a wound and you don't clean it, right, then it will begin to deteriorate. Infection will grow. So spiritually speaking, sin came in and it created an infection, a systemic infection in all of us, which is called the sin nature. Now, in order for that to be reconciled, God's first solution was to to cleanse those sins with the animal sacrifices. Blood was shed by animals to kind of cleanse because when you're, now we're going to bounce back and forth between the analogy of blood and the spiritual implications of that, okay? So I'll try to make it clear when we're bouncing back and forth. So treating it, they kind of go hand in hand, though, because your spirit gives life to your body. And so, like, the two are really connected. So in order for man who was now um, bound by sin to be reconciled to God, there had to be innocent blood that was shed to cover over and cause the forgiveness of those sins, I don't know all of God's reasoning behind all of that. Actually, I probably don't even know a fraction of it. But I don't understand everything about why did there have to be blood other than life is in the blood. And that's just how God built things to work. Life is in the blood. So if you need clean blood, if you need good blood, if you've had a systemic infection in your body, what do they do? They give you chelation or maybe some kind of process that will clean your blood out. Or you have a blood transfusion where you are given clean and healthy blood that can then begin to heal and correct what's wrong in your body, right? Okay, so spiritually, we have been infected with a sin nature, if you will. For that to be cleansed and corrected, we needed innocence. Innocent blood had to be shed and applied to our lives to correct and heal. Well, an animal is not made in God's image. An animal is not, they don't carry the same weight in eternity as we do. I don't even know if animals go to heaven. I guess we'll find out. I know there are animals in heaven. I don't know if human animals, like earth animals go to, I don't really know. (laughs) All dogs go to heaven. There was a movie. I don't know. Um, but an animal does not have a conscience and a will and, and a voice like we do. They don't, they're not weighty, um, in eternity like we are. So their blood being spilled, it's not it's not an equal exchange for our blood it's not it doesn't cost and and they they didn't have to fight to live moral and to live right they were just they're innocent because they don't they don't have a sin nature like we do and so for for an animal's sacrifice to atone for or make right what we've made wrong well it's it's unbalanced it's not it's not equal that's like having a candy thief pay off um, a murderer's sentence, right? It's just that candy thief is going to have to pay off with his sentence again and, again and again and again and again in order for it to equal out to the, to what is owed by the murderer. Does that make sense? And so that happened with the animals. Basically they had to sacrifice animals continually again and again and again and again. Every time they were sinner or annually, the priest would go in and make sacrifices. So it was like a constant never-ending thing and it never actually resolved the issue of the sin nature. It never eliminated the sin nature. It kind of like appeased things for a moment or situationally brought a little a little peace, but it it never appeased and corrected our sin nature. And so that sin nature was still a barrier between us and God. And so God was like, enough with this. I need to heal my people. I need to set them right. I need to undo what sin came in and did. And so he had Jesus born of Mary, who was born human, but also born God, right? Because Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. So he was, the seed of God was inside of him. He didn't have a human father. He had a spiritual father just straight from God that caused a human pregnancy. But then he had the blood of Mary in his veins. And so he had a human nature inside of him as well. So he had on his bloodline, the ability to sin. And so when I say on the bloodline, I love when science points to the truth of God's word. It's just so cool. So there has been discovered this thing called epigenetics, which is where they have discovered that things that occur, traumas, experiences, memories, all these things, they actually scientifically go in and and it alters your DNA as a person. It literally alters your DNA is constantly evolving and changing a little bit and so it alters your DNA and gets embedded in your blood in your blood code um, because your DNA is in your blood and so what happens is so what's in my blood I have eggs inside of me as a woman so if I was to grow a baby the experiences I've had actually are embedded in my blood, which gets embedded into my child, and so they are born with some of my experiences on their blood. Does that make sense? And so, like, that's why people talk about our bloodline. Like, there is sin. You might have a bent to alcoholism or to whatever that actually isn't your issue. It might have been your grandfather's issue, and it's on your bloodline. And so, scientists have actually found the only thing to straighten out and correct the, the skewing of the DNA and the and the um the shape of your of your blood cells and stuff to correct that through epigenetics is actually the word of God. Isn't that crazy? The spoken word of God has the power, they've seen it where it'll it'll begin to change the shape of that DNA back to its original form, which is just so freaking cool anyways and so the word of God which points to where it says that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word the Bible says Jesus is the word right when he he, in the beginning the word was with God the word was God and the word dwelt um, among us Jesus is the word of God so the word of God Jesus has the power to change what is on our bloodlines even on the cellular scientific Level, It's not just this voodoo-y thing we just believe for it. Actually, science is able to recognize and identify this. So, all that to say, when animals, animals being sacrificed, it could not actually fix the sin nature thing in us. Jesus had to come, and he lived a perfect life. He had a human nature inside of him. And the Bible says he was tempted in every way that we were tempted, that we have been or will be. And so, Jesus had to make a choice he and so that blood was coursing through him leaning him to maybe want to make ungodly choices but because of god's nature also inside of him which he became jesus was a picture of what we would be capable of be, of being Jesus had God's nature inside of him. We wouldn't have God's nature inside of us until we're born again, right? But Jesus lived and demonstrated what we're capable of. He also says in the Bible that um, what you have seen me doing, you will do even greater things than that which I have done. He says that in John before he leaves the disciples. And so Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm talking really fast. I'm getting a lot of revelation as I'm talking. Um, Jesus lived in a way that demonstrated reconciliation and and healing and it and he he what's the word um he was able to fix that's not the word i was thinking of but he's able to fix the sin nature problem because he came in and he was innocent innocent blood is clean blood right innocent blood can heal corrupt blood and so jesus came in lived an innocent pure life he came and he made right choices, even when he was tempted, he made godly choices, he made the right choice, the righteous choice, the obedient choice, the right choice, the obedient and so by doing that, every time he did that, he confronted the sin and death nature inside of him and overcame it every single time he had that choice, and so he was building and fortifying it, and he was he was <clears throat> even even I would speculate this is my speculation. I would speculate that even as he did that he 's correcting this the the natural born epigenetic sin that might have been born into his blood from Mary every time he chose to let the God nature inside of him rule over that nature it's healing and correcting what was in his bloodline so that he can give to us a pure and faultless blood right does that make sense Oh, I hope I'm not making anyone get all mad at me theologically. Um, So I just think this is so powerful. And so when Jesus died and we repent and we ask for forgiveness and we ask for his blood to cover us by faith, which is in the spirit, we're able to apply that to our lives. And he said when he died and rose again, the Bible says that he took back the keys of death and Hades. And that he took back the power of death. And that by his death, he was able to defeat death once and for all, which is so cool. Um, Let me look up this verse right here. Oh, it was in Hebrews. Hebrews 2.14 is, gosh, one of my favorites. The Lord showed me this years ago about why fasting is even powerful. Um, But it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, The Son also became flesh and blood. He became like us, right? For only as a human being could he die, because, right, he was God, otherwise God can't die, right? But only as a human could he actually experience death. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. He had to confront head-on the power that the devil held, which was death, who had the power of death, as it says here. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And so it says it right here, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, that the only by confronting death and facing down with death and by dying himself could he break the power of the devil who held the power of death and and held people in bondage to the fear of death. And so what Jesus did by living a perfect life and dying a perfect, innocent death, he broke the power of the devil. And in essence, back to our analogy, he completely made available to us a blood transfusion or the ability to have clean blood that could come in and cleanse us and restore us. And so kind of like someone with you know sepsis in their system, if they get a blood transfusion, suddenly there's new blood coursing through them and all the things in their body can begin to be made right again. Well, this is what happens when we accept the blood of Jesus in our life. Spiritually speaking, it comes in and cleanses us spiritually and makes us able to begin to then heal from all those broken places and heal from all the damage that sin has created, heal from all the damage that death has created, and God can begin to renew our system. So back to where Jesus' blood has a voice, the Bible also says in Hebrews that His blood speaks a better word and when his blood spiritually speaking is coursing inside of us it is a higher authority than the broken voice or the the voice of the contaminated blood in our in our spiritual bodies if you will His voice speaks a better word, and if you have a choice between believing this is the way it's always been, this is the way my family's always done it, this is, you know, my family's always died of heart disease, or whatever it is, you have a choice. You know, His blood is inside of you now, His spirit is inside of you, and you have the ability to go with what His blood says about you, which speaks a better word. And so not only... Not only can the Word of God, who is Jesus himself and the Bible and Scripture, and the revealed Word, not only can all of that <clears throat> um, give you access to a better future and a better reality, but his 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 blood speaks a better... Sorry, I lost my train of thought, and I'm trying to pull the pieces back together. Um, his blood speaks a better word, meaning that his... He broke the power of death, and so those things on our bloodline that cause death, alcoholism, anger, jealousy, fear, those things that cause death, they're, they're second to what the voice of Jesus says, which rules and reigns in you now. And if you will allow for that transaction to happen where the blood of Jesus can cleanse you, Right? The Bible says in 1 John 1 9 that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It it's confession on our part, Jesus. I recognize that anger's on my bloodline. But Father, I don't want that. And so, Father, I ask that you forgive me. And I ask that you'd cleanse me and that you would heal me and that you would restore me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. So then his blood, which speaks a better word has precedent inside of you. And just like Jesus had to make a choice as he grew and lived a holy life, he had to make a choice. He had to face down with temptation. But because of the nature of God inside of him, which if you're a Christian, you have the nature of God inside of you also working in you. You have a choice. Are you going to believe the voice of the blood that is broken and poisoned in your, in your spirit, in your system? Or are you going to believe the voice of Jesus's blood that flows in you and has been given to you, giving you the ability to cleanse and heal those broken places? I hope this analogy is turning on light bulbs for y'all because it is turning on light bulbs for me. So... What makes Jesus' blood so powerful? Why do we care? Why do we apply the blood of Jesus? Because when we do that, you're coming into agreement with the voice of His blood, which speaks a better word. If faith is what it takes, faith and confession, faith, believing in your heart, and confess with your mouth that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. There's there's a dynamic between believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. That is how you gain access To the spiritual inheritance of Jesus, right? Because Jesus, he's in heaven, right? And we're not talking about physical blood. We're talking about spiritual, but the parallel helps. Believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth is how you obtain the benefits of Christ's nature being born into you. And so when you apply the blood of Jesus to a situation, I apply the blood of Jesus to my kids, to my house, to my whatever, to my job, you know, what you're doing is you with your mouth, you're actually coming into partnership with the same resonating voice of his blood and you're activating that thing in your life. You're activating it in your body. You're activating it in your experience. And so it's like a sounds, like you guys know this, right? Sounds carry a vibration and the vibration keeps moving forward unless something interrupts it. I mean, it does kind of like it goes wide and it dispels and it will, it will eventually fade out. But the more that we come into an echoing agreement with a sound, the bigger that it gets. It can actually begin to like, what's the word, crescendo. And so the more that you come into agreement with the voice of God and the voice of the blood of Jesus on your life, it will crescendo that reality in your world. And so what you say is huge. What you believe in your heart and what you say with your mouth is so important as a believer because that is how we step into and access the reality of Jesus in our life. So I hope that answers that. I hope that speaks to that. I know there's probably so much more that could be said on the topic because the blood of Jesus is so huge. Um, And just keep in mind, Hebrews 1.3 says that everything is held together by the power of His word. Everything, everything in all creation is held together by the power of his word. And so when you're speaking to your children, when you're speaking to your physical health, when you're speaking to the job situation, when you're choosing whether you're going to complain or give thanks, think about the fact that if the power of his word, which created all of all of the world, the power of his word is at the core structure of atoms and molecules, sound waves, the power of his word is what holds everything together. And the power of his word, his blood speaks a better word. Every time you come into agreement with, with his word, you are engaging and activating what the blood of Jesus purchased for you. And you are engaging and activating it into your life in, in a realized experiential way. So the power of, of Jesus' blood was enough to do in one moment at the cross and one lifetime of a holy living what millions of animals and millions and billions of people in all of their best righteous efforts could never do. Jesus came. He fulfilled all that was expected, and he was able to buy back for us the ability to be healed and restored back to God's original design, which was to walk in fellowship with Him, in the garden, or in, in, in restfulness, maybe not physically the garden, but in that experience of fellowship with Him, where there's no shame, there's no hiding, there's no fear, there's no barriers. That is what God made us for. So I just really, I mean, you can't talk about the blood of Jesus and not give people the opportunity to receive that. So I'm actually going to pray with you. If if anyone is listening and they're like, you know, I need something, Uh, something's got to give. I need a change in my life. And I don't know what that is. Listen, God is the greatest, the greatest risk you'll ever take, but he is the best friend you'll ever find. And the journey is not comfortable. It's not easy. You're definitely choosing a narrow road as opposed to a wide road. But let me tell you, walking with God is the greatest adventure and the most satisfying experience. You, you tap into who you are. Listen, you existed before the world began. The Bible says that you were in him before the world even began. God knew you and it called you by name. God has a plan and a destiny for you. And so if you have wrestled with, why am I here? What am I doing? Listen, do not give up on yourself. Do not lose hope. Do not lose courage. God has a plan for you. And if doing it your way hasn't worked out for you, which if you're like me, it didn't work out. <laughs> we need a savior. We are built to need a savior. We are flawed. We're in a broken system. We are, uh, if you will, poisoned by the infection of sin and our human fallen nature. We can't get to God apart from Jesus. We cannot experience some ethereal level of spirituality apart from surrendering our lives to him and saying, I want to serve you, be my Lord, be my Savior, because he's the only one who paid a price for your life. He's the only one. No other religion on earth did a Savior lay down their life and pay the greatest price they all place demands. And God, you know, he, he asks that we love him and lay down our life and love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and strength. But no other belief system did the Savior lay down his own life. And so if that's you, the Bible is clear. It says if you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and conf- or if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you shall be saved. And it also says, if you would confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So let me just pray with you. If, if that's where you're at and you're like, you know what, I want to choose Jesus. Let me pray with you and, and let me encourage you with, with that. If you pray this, please send me a message. I want to hear from you. You can email me javawithjenpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to my Instagram page and send me a message there. Java with Jen—that's my handle on Instagram—and um, I'm on Facebook as well. Java with Jen podcast. So let me know because I would love to kind of kind of walk with you a bit and help give you some direction and some guidance as far as how to um, find some people that can walk with you as you grow in knowing God. God is a person. This is a relationship, and he is the greatest adventurer. Oh, my goodness. Knowing him is so sweet. So let me let me just pray with you, though. If that's you and you want to give your heart to Jesus and you want him to come in and cleanse you, say, Father, I confess that I am a sinner, and I cannot do this life on my own. But you paid a price, and I thank you for the price you paid. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and that you would lead me into relationship with you, that you would cleanse me from my sin, cleanse me from a broken bloodline. Heal me and make me whole. And Holy Spirit, I receive you as my helper and as my counselor. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name. And if you did pray that, it's by belief in your heart and confession of your mouth that Jesus enters into you. And you may experience a real sense of overwhelming peace or joy come in as you've done that. And that is the presence of the Holy Spirit coming to be your friend. And if that's you, man, I'm excited for you. This is the beginning of, golly, a change of your future. God is, well, I could just keep going on. He's awesome. Send me a message if you prayed that. Um... I'm very excited. This was a great question. You guys, thanks for submitting your questions for this episode. The blood of Jesus is such a powerful, powerful, powerful um, message and topic. And so anyways, thanks for listening, you guys. Feel free to share this episode with anyone that you feel like it would be rev- relevant to. Um, and stay tuned for Life Hacks with Jen. My life hack is super practical and gives a lot of great benefits to your to your health and to your life and your being. So I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. So today's life hack I actually stumbled upon when I was looking online for ways to help with weight loss. Um, you know, just normal ways to kind of support my metabolism and stuff. Now that I'm, you know, up in my thirties, and um, and I actually have discovered this helped me in so many more ways. Those of you who don't know, your stomach regulates the entire health of everything about your body. If your stomach is out of whack, everything is messed up. Your energy is down, your skin shows it. You can have flaky skin or acne skin. You can have issues with your hair. Um, Like If your stomach is messed up, everything is messed up. You can't burn fat properly. All kinds of stuff. And it can compound to other issues and other organ problems and um, toxins in places where they don't need to be. So, I stumbled upon apple cider vinegar. Okay, now before you like gross out and hang up, please listen because I found a way to make it enjoyable. Um, I actually don't love apple cider vinegar. I think it kind of tastes a little bit like vomit. Um, so <laughs> I was like, I need to make this thing taste good, but. Apple cider vinegar, specifically with the mother in it. You want the unfiltered, unpasteurized stuff. It doesn't take a lot. I was looking for ways to ramp my metabolism and saw these um, trials where people were taking apple cider vinegar just twice a day, once or twice a day, especially before bed, and um, they were finding that they were losing weight. Now, I've been lean enough that I don't, I never noticed like a lot of weight loss, but I did notice a major difference in my bloating and digestion. Um, which actually does lend to weight loss. And so um, what I do, typically what people do is they'll take apple cider vinegar, like one to two tablespoons, they'll mix it in a cup of water, throw in a teaspoon or tablespoon of honey, and then they swallow it down. Um, You could do that. I actually use stevia instead of honey just because I don't want the extra sugar. Um, But what I've actually found that makes it delicious, where I sip on it and enjoy it and it tastes like Sprite, is I will... Um take you know those lacroix sodas they're like they're not actually soda it's like um sparkling water that's flavored and there's no sugar in it um It's Lacroix, and so I just get the key lime flavor. any citrus ones work really well. Some of the ones like watermelon did not do so well as a mixture with apple cider vinegar, but I use the key lime one. And then I'll throw it on ice, throw in my one or two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, and then I sweeten it with stevia so it does actually end up tasting like a soda. I think it tastes like Sprite. Now, if you're a regular Sprite drinker, no, you probably won't like it. But if you're looking to make something that's disgusting, (laughs) taste more healthy, then this is a way, that's one way to do it. Now, my son actually kind of got a kick off of this and he actually liked the taste of it. It was a couple years ago. And so he took apple cider vinegar every night for like two or three weeks. And during that two or three weeks, all of his brothers got the flu. Um, But my son, who was doing apple cider vinegar, never ever got sick. And I was like, what? I noticed when I'm taking it, I don't have bloating. Like if I've eaten a meal and my stomach is hurting, I'll go take a shot of apple cider vinegar and it actually chills out my stomach. The reason why is because it's a fermented drink, meaning the mother in it is actually good bacteria that helps with aid, aiding digestion. Um, but what happens when you aid digestion and clean out your gut, it actually improves your skin. You can use apple cider vinegar as like a... Um, what's it called almost like a almost like a chemical peel on your face like a really subtle one because it is vinegar so it's strong um, and it'll bring blood to the surface of your skin Uh, but I use it sometimes as a toner and when my acne was acting up really bad because I was having stomach issues I used it as a toner but I also took it internally and it does wonders it cleans your skin so great it shrinks your pores and tightens your skin it's awesome Um, you just have to deal with the fact that then you smell like vinegar after the (laughs) After the fact, you can wash it off after a little bit. Um, So let me just tell you before I wrap this up, here's some benefits. It helps you with fat burn and fat storage. I don't know the exact science behind it, but you can Google this and find some really interesting information about how it affects your fat cells and helps you flush unnecessary stored fat and stuff. Um, It helps to regulate your blood sugar, which also helps to prevent fat storage. Um, It helps with your gut health. It helps suppress your appetite, which I have noticed that as well. It boosts your immune system because it's balancing out your gut. It also helps to reduce inflammation in your body. It increases your energy because as you balance your gut, um, any sluggishness in your gut is what can drain you of energy. And so it boosts your energy. It can help you save on medical expenses because if you're not getting sick during flu season and cold season and all that kind of stuff, you don't have to go to the doctor. Um, Saves you on all that medicine. I believe it also can help with allergy responses because your gut also regulates your allergy reactions. So it can help kind of curb that. Um, It clears your skin and it cleanses your liver. So it does all these awesome things. Considering it does all that and all you got to do is take one to two tablespoons once a day. I mean, yes, please. So anyways, thought I'd share that with y'all. Mix it with LaCroix soda. You can find it on your soda or water aisle, I believe. Different stores are different. Um, But I buy a case of 12 for like four bucks at the grocery store and I just keep it in my cabinet. My boys actually like it as well, so it's a great alternative to soda if you're trying to kick a sugar habit. Um, I love LaCroix, uh, and then, of course, I sweeten it with some like liquid stevia. So, Anyways, there you go. I hope that is helpful. Let me know. If you start using apple cider vinegar and you notice any benefits, let me know because I'd love um, to hear how these life hacks are helping y'all out. Okay, see you guys next week. Love you. so much for tuning in to today's show for those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media thank you reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me listen let's stay connected come follow me on instagram at java with jen where you can follow the latest and say hey it's a really great way to stay in touch many of you have also asked how you can support the show You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.